Welcome to the Alcohol Freedom Podcast, where we're bringing you a modern and judgment-free conversation about how we relate to our drinking habits. I'm Michelle Kapler, and you've got episode 35. Hello, friends. I'm glad you're here. It is so sunny today. I know that my intros for the past six weeks have been a little bit weather heavy, but I just can't help it. I'm Canadian and it's mid-April and I'm so ready to feel warm outside. Yesterday, it was a full-on mid-April snowstorm for 24 hours. So I'm really happy to see the sun today. Anyway, enough about the weather. Today, we're going to talk about feelings, which is actually a very important topic for humans to ponder, especially when it comes to changing our habits like overdrinking. When we are looking to make a permanent and sustainable change to a habit, and in the context of drinking, we might be looking to quit completely or simply reduce the amount that we're drinking. But when it comes to making sustainable changes to these habits, we must consider how we process our feelings, especially the negative ones. There are a few components that we need to consider when we're looking to actually make a change to a habit. We need to look at acknowledging and managing urges to drink. We need to manage the way we think about our life circumstances. We need to be willing to feel discomfort. And we need to learn to feel our feelings, especially the negative ones. I've talked at length in other episodes about those first three considerations. So today I want to address the various ways in which we approach our negative feelings when they inevitably come up. So why is this? Why do we need to worry about something like feelings? The reason is because our feelings are ultimately what drive our actions. Anytime we do something, for example, pouring alcohol into a glass and ingesting it, We are doing it in response to a feeling that we are having. And on the flip side, when we do these numbing behaviors like overdrinking, overeating, overworking, overspending, overusing social media, binging on Netflix, when we are habitually doing these behaviors, it's usually because we are trying to avoid a negative feeling. So for example, when I was drinking heavily, I was almost always trying to avoid feeling anxiety. But a few of my honorable mentions are exhaustion, frustration, and boredom. So today, I want to talk about the four different ways that humans deal with their negative feelings. First, let's define what a feeling is. A feeling is simply a sensation that you feel in your body. And what causes our feelings? It's essentially how we're thinking about something, and that creates that feeling in our body. So what is a negative feeling? A negative feeling is an unpleasant sensation in our bodies. It doesn't feel good to experience negative feelings. I gave a few examples above, but there are more like sadness, irritation, anger. There's depression, grief, disappointment, fear. And the thing about this human experience that we're all having right now is that negative feelings are a part of it. 100% guaranteed, no exceptions. All humans feel negative emotions about 50% of the time. And there's a huge spectrum of different feelings that different humans will experience in response to their thoughts about a particular situation or circumstance. So if we know that they are inevitable, everyone experiences them. It's interesting to consider what we do when we feel them. And what I want to illuminate today is the four ways that we approach this. 
I'm going to use an analogy to explain how this works. I'm going to describe a scenario that many people feel a pretty visceral aversion to when they think about it, which I will use to represent experiencing a negative feeling, and that is being at the dentist. So picture this, you're in the dentist chair and you're there because you need a root canal. Super fun, right? I bet your body is already feeling some stuff already. So you're there and nothing has happened yet, but you're waiting to get started. You're sitting in the dentist chair. The dentist is making small talk. They're lowering the back of the chair. So you're horizontal and you see out of the corner of your eye, that the dentist is getting the needle ready to give you the injection of numbing medication. From there, she asks you to open your mouth and you know that the needle is coming within a few seconds. And the needle itself is going to represent our negative feelings in this analogy. As a side note, for those of you rare people who actually enjoy going to the dentist, maybe you can think about a different thing that makes you uncomfortable. But I'm going to assume that most of you are on board at this point and feeling pretty uncomfortable. So if we look at the approaching needle as a tangible representation of our negative feelings, there are basically four ways that we can respond to it. The first one is to react. When we react to a negative feeling, we are displaying and acting out what we think people do and act out when they experience this emotion. It's usually a little or a lot dramatized and maybe a little over the top. So in our dentist analogy, that would look something like screaming really loudly when the dentist gives us the needle, or maybe writhing around or squirming in the chair or moaning quite audibly. Just like when we feel anger, there is an extension of this where we are acting like we are angry. Or if we are feeling annoyed, we do actions that represent annoyance. We act annoyed. And whether we are talking about a feeling in our bodies or a needle, generally speaking, when we react to a feeling like this, it tends to intensify the sensation. I'm willing to bet that if you scream really loudly and writhe around while the dentist is doing her thing, it probably won't make it hurt less. In fact, it may prolong the experience. The next way that we deal with our negative feelings is one that we are very familiar with if we are drinking a lot, and that is to avoid. Avoiding a negative feeling is what we are doing every time we drink at the end of a stressful day, or drink because we're feeling uncomfortable at a work function, or drink because we're anxious at a family gathering. So to demonstrate this in our dentist analogy, avoiding a negative feeling is like getting up and running out of the room when you see the needle out of the corner of your eye. And the truth is that temporarily this works. By getting up and running out of the room, you don't have to feel the needle in that moment. But the problem is that the root canal still needs to be done and you will need to come back and sit in the chair and feel it eventually so you can get your tooth fixed. And the same is true when we drink to avoid feeling our negative feelings. Think about that stress and exhaustion you feel at the end of a workday. When you come home and drink a few glasses or a full bottle of wine, it might temporarily allow you to avoid feeling your stress and exhaustion, but it's usually worse the next day when you wake up and the alcohol's worn off. Or if you're anything like me, you'll wake up at 2 a.m. and can't get back to sleep and the stressful feeling is back in full force at 2 a.m. 
if we just keep drinking every night, it doesn't actually resolve the negative feelings. It just delays them. It just pushes them to the next day, pushes them to the next time that we're sober. And in a lot of cases, it actually intensifies those feelings, which is what leads to the cycle of drinking every night and feeling like you need a drink to be able to unwind. There's a bunch of neurochemistry to consider in this equation as well. And if you're interested in that, I highly recommend that you check out episode 26 called Trigger Thoughts, and I'll link that up in the show notes for you. The next way we deal with negative feelings is to resist them. In our dentist analogy, this would look like when the dentist comes close with the needle, you reach up and grab their arm to block them from doing what they need to do. Or as they come close to you, you punch them in the face. Now, I know that the way I'm describing resistance of a feeling in this analogy is a little bit on the violent side, but that's actually kind of how it plays out in our bodies as well. Resisting a feeling can be pretty easily recognized when we're looking at our cravings and urges, which also fall under the category of negative emotions. An urge or a craving can be under that category of those negative feelings. Resisting an urge is that white knuckling energy that you may have experienced before when you're trying not to drink. It comes from willpower. It comes from all I have to do is just say no. It's this idea of pushing through the pain and fighting. It's that inner dialogue of I shouldn't be feeling this. This isn't right. Something is wrong. This is terrible. I hate this. I shouldn't have to do it. And the trouble with resisting a feeling is that it doesn't actually solve for the feeling or make it go away. In fact, it generally creates a lot of pressure and friction and stasis, which usually means that the feeling intensifies. It gets worse and worse until you actually deal with it or do something to avoid it altogether, like having a drink or running out of the room when you're in the dentist chair. The problem, well, one of the problems with grabbing the dentist's arm or punching them in the face is that the root canal is still there and still needs to be fixed. And you still have to get the needle. And I'm going to bet that the dentist is less likely to be gentle and patient with you if you grab her arm. And it's likely that you're going to feel the needle even more when you finally do open your mouth because your nervous system is highly stimulated at this point. The last way that we can address negative feelings is to allow them. And in our dentist analogy, it looks something like this. We're in the chair. We know the needle is coming. We take a deep breath and we close our eyes. We understand that it will be uncomfortable, but we open our mouth and allow the dentist to give the medication. It sucks. It hurts. It doesn't feel good. But in a lot of cases, if we open and allow and relax, it ends up not feeling as bad as we thought it would. The worst part is usually thinking about the idea of getting a needle rather than actually getting the needle itself. The anticipation of it is usually worse than the sensation itself. And I found that to be true with negative emotion as well. So how do we do this? It's not that difficult, though possibly unpleasant, to visualize allowing a medical professional to give us an injection. But it's a little bit less tangible when it comes to feeling our feelings. How do we allow our negative feelings to be in our bodies without acting, resisting, or avoiding them? I have a few episodes that might be useful to you if you want to really get into detail about this, especially the ones when I talk about managing and allowing urges that's particularly applicable to drinking. And they're episodes 20 and 21, and I'll make sure I link them in the show notes as well. To give you some ideas for how to get started on this, what I want to say is that the best way to practice allowing negative feelings is to be curious about them 
And that comes from asking questions. When a negative feeling comes into your body, let's use anxiety, for example, ask yourself questions about what's going on. What are you feeling in the moment? Where are you feeling the sensation? Does it move? Is there a color or texture to the sensation? Is it hot or cold? Is it tight or is it loose? If you could name the feeling, what would it be? When we ask ourselves questions about the sensations we are experiencing, we're able to get out of our minds and what we think about experiencing the feeling and into what we are actually sensing. For me, I almost always feel anxiety in my chest when I experience it. It's stuck and contracted. It doesn't move. It feels very hot. Shame, on the other hand, also feels very hot, but I feel it on my cheeks and on the back of my neck, and sometimes it moves into my stomach as well. And irritation, I feel that in my gut. It feels hot too, but it's red and it's heavy. And these descriptions can change each time I experience the same feeling. When we're able to ask ourselves questions about what we're actually feeling, we can begin to process those feelings. And if we're able to sit with the sensations, they often resolve on their own eventually. When I think about the core negative feeling, that one feeling that I was terrified of that kept me drinking so heavily for all those years, it was anxiety. I was so fearful of the idea of experiencing anxiety. And wine was such an effective way not to feel it in the moment until the alcohol wore off, usually at 2 a.m. And then I was even more anxious before and also pissed off because I couldn't sleep. But when I actually started leaning into the experience of what my anxiety felt like, that changed everything. Now, I want to acknowledge that some folks experience anxiety due to a medical condition, and that's a conversation that they'll need to have with their doctor. But even if that's the case for you, you are still in charge of how you want to think about the anxiety that you experience. Because anxiety is inevitable if you are a human. Some experience it more frequently and strongly than others, but no one is exempt from experiencing it from time to time. So what would it be like to view our negative feelings as just part of the human experience? What if experiencing negative feelings didn't mean that something's going wrong? What if we could just feel it for a while and then see what happens? How about you? What are the negative feelings that are driving the habits that you want to change? Are you like me and your avoidance of your feelings is driving you to drink more than you'd like? If that's the case, I want to invite you to check out my 12-week alcohol freedom program, where you get to work with me one-on-one to customize a plan and execute the heck out of it. If you want to reduce the amount of alcohol that you consume, this is for you. And if you want to quit completely, this is for you. To book your free 60-minute consultation to see if you're a good fit for the one-on-one coaching program, you're going to head to michellecadler.com and book a time today. That's going to be it for me this week. I'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, you've got this, my friend.